We are 13 minutes late for this week's episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've got a solo show of The Big Ticket Life with me, which isn't necessarily all that bad. I kind of like talking to you one-on-one. This is definitely going to be an audio podcast. If you haven't learned, we do the show live stream every Tuesday at noon. Um, this could be one you're going to want to uh, probably check the video out because there's going to be a lot of body language coming through, I think, on this episode. Um, you're going to have a lot of feeling emanating through the screen coming at you. And uh, you're going to get it. You know, it's, I think, you know, you're smart enough to know uh, the spoken word is, uh, is only a fraction of what the other person hears. A lot of it is uh, body language uh, and facial expression with the word as well. So you might want to bring the whole experience of this episode together and watch the video. Uh, I don't, you know, so this episode all about hit your brand and, and how a small business builds its brand. Cause I think there's a lot of misinformation. I don't think I know but there's a lot of misinformation, uh, lack of understanding, maybe lack of experience around this topic at the small business level. And I mean, small business level defined by the SBA is $50 million or under. So this encompasses a lot of really smart businesses who even at, you know, an eight and nine and 10 figure level, uh, I guess 10 figure would be beyond the small business level. But uh, even at that, at those levels, um, they can't do what multi-billion dollar companies can do in regards to brand. So we're going to dig into that today. But before I go in, a little opening monologue. You know, I'm, I'm on the backup rig. Uh, you may, you may, if you're a follower fan here, especially on the video, maybe you hear it in the audio, maybe not. If you don't, that's a testament to my amazing producer, Chris at Cast Ahead. Need anything podcasting? He's got your back. He's his team is just amazing. So if you're not hearing any difference on audio on this one, that's why and check him out. He's in the show notes, but I'm on the backup rig. Um, I'm solo today, which wasn't expected. It just feels like the last couple of weeks, um, you know, which means there's probably a big breakthrough coming through. But man, it feels like I've been getting kicked in the ding ding. I'll just say it like that. Just like that. That's, that's what it feels like. And, uh, but you know what? This is appropriate because part of building your own brand, whether that's your own personal brand as a solopreneur or consultant, Whatever that might be for you, leading a team, having a larger business, you know, five million, ten million, uh, a big part of brand. And this wasn't initially what I was going to talk about, but I'm going to lead off with it: is consistency. I've committed to this show going live um, every Tuesday at noon uh, because I think the medium is important. I think live streaming is a really great dynamic to the effort that you do for a podcast. Um, and you're carving out the time. I'm carving out the time in my schedule, regardless whether it's all, you know, the whole month's episodes in a day, whether it's spread out over four weeks in a month, it's still the time. And for me, I'm going to maximize that time commitment as best as possible and be consistent to it. So we've committed to that uh, throughout this whole year coming up. It'll be a year in December. Um, of doing a show every week. And, you know, there's so much information about podcasts and most podcasts only get seven episodes in before they quit. Consistency is important. Commitment is important. Um, you know, and, and one of the other things that I often talk about with the clients, the people that I work with is, you know, you really operate at a high level when what you do 
appears very simple, but really the complexity underneath um, is what makes it special and what makes it look simple. So contrary to some belief out there, uh, and this is just maybe a little bit of um, life advice, I guess, or business advice, however you want to take it. A uh, little bit of advice that uh, most podcast shows, good podcast shows, whether they're audio only or video audio or video audio live stream, we don't just show up and say, hey, y'all, let's have a podcast today. We don't just do that. Okay. There is an immense amount of effort, structure, commitment to the consistency, commitment to workflows, bringing in multiple people on the team to make the show sound good at a bare minimum because if it's audio, that's the only sensory experience your listener has. If it's video and audio, you want great audio, you want good video. And then if it's live stream, you want to make sure you're all gathered at the same time, same place, same back channel each and every week or whatever your schedule might be. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's a lot that goes into building a good brand, building a good podcast show. Uh, and you know, I know some of the big names out there in podcasting today, it might look like they show up and I don't, I don't, you know, uh, sit here and tell you that I know everything of how those shows work, but knowing what I do know, I know there's a lot of time and effort that goes into those shows before they turn the mics on and that first puff of smoke comes through the screen. You know, the show I'm talking about. And uh, so you get a good experience. There's a lot of work that's gone in. And that's just kind of where I felt I would start based on the last uh, few hours of my morning this morning. But uh, consistency and commitment, one of those key markers of building a great brand for your business. But enough of that to my, uh, I, would, I would say, regularly scheduled programming. But this programming was scheduled last night uh, after we knew it would be a solo show. So. When it comes to building your brand as I see it and the things that have made me successful, the first thing I think everybody should understand is that there are things you can do and you cannot do. And I alluded to this as I opened up. You know, I'll get to use Coca-Cola as an example. Multi-billion dollar company, um, you know, global. They are a home run in most all respects that you can measure. Uh, and yet, so many people do what Coca-Cola does when they're at a million-dollar level in annual revenue or $10 million in annual revenue, even $100 million in annual revenue, which isn't small business, but for the sake of the example, let's use it. You just can't... Businesses at those levels cannot do what Coca-Cola does. And that's simply just trade on their name. They're able to trade on their name and their brand because they have a hundred years built up. Um, everybody knows the font. Everybody knows the red and white color that you know that Santa Claus is synonymous with the Coca Cola bottle in, in the hand smiling like the jolly old Chris Kringle that he is. Uh, the polar bear, you know, they, they came up with names on bottles. Very simple, very smart, because the sweetest word on earth is your own name. So what the Coca-Cola do, they put the name on the bottle, but they have to continue to spend money to keep that market share. 
today in 2022, there's no shortage of drink options. I mean, I can make a Coca-Cola knockoff in my kitchen counter now with a soda stream, but there's no shortage of drink options. So they have to continue to fuel that brand. The reality is all of their customers, by and large, can be swayed. Um, they can be swayed away. Uh, so it's always why there's new packaging, i.e. the name on the bottles. It's always why there's new flavors, Coke Zero, caffeine-free, diet caffeine-free, and then all the other flavors that go around the Coca-Cola soda dispensing machine. They've even had to come up with new fun ways to dispense the product. If you go into like a local burger joint or uh, your Mo, I know our Mo's Southwest Grill locally has this. You have the cool little touch screen and you can mix up your Cokes. Like all of this is around new because every one of their customers can be swayed because we all need to drink something throughout the day. And if that new and exciting product that's in front of you is better than the red and white Coca-Cola bottle, you might just choose that and that's a missed opportunity because you do kind of have a finite amount of stuff, liquids you can take in in your life. So understand what we can do and what we can't do at this small business level. Um, at our level, at a small business level, your brand, unlike Coca-Cola, which is just made by new, new, new things put in front of your customer constantly, constantly, constantly. We build our brand one customer at a time. We build that brand sale by sale and customer by happy customer by happy customer. That's how small businesses have to build our brand. So while Coca-Cola, again, in our continued example, can just add a name to the bottle, they would never dream of changing their font. They would never dream of you know, changing their distribution network. They would never dream of changing how it's dispensed uh, because those are things built in. We at a small business level, thankfully, can be a lot more nimble. We shouldn't, I don't feel, we should be concerned with, you know, so much with, you know, brand identity and fonts and logos and things like that. We need to make sales. We need happy customers. We need customers who will refer. Because our brand at this level is measured by our customers' satisfaction. They don't remember logos and fonts and brand standards. They remember how we made them feel. Again, I'll go back to consistency, how I opened the show today. You know, there's a lot of small businesses that I've come across over the years who they fail in a consistent commitment of making customers happy. I could have easily just decided, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this show today. I've had it. I've had it with um, lining up guests. I've had it with tech issues. But that's not, first of all, it's a, it's a broken word to myself, which means something. It should mean something to you, your own word to yourself, and uh, which is, a, as an aside, is a... You know, that's something to really always think about and measure is how, how honest you're being with yourself, right? I made a commitment to myself to continue this on. I also made a commitment to um, my team at Cast Ahead, right? They can take on so many clients. They have a finite amount of time. 
I'm one of their clients and I take time in their calendar. And if I don't book in their calendar or show, they don't make money. So I honor that commitment. I honor the consistency. You as a small brand, small business, building your brand should really take it that deep, take it to that level because your customer ultimately does business with you. You, you know, we're not transacting dollars and cents here. We're transacting time through this show. Okay. And if you're one of my subscribers, you're tuning into the show, you're expecting this show weekly. I'm not going to not give you that just because I had a tech issue. Well, we will continue to move on. And I see so many small businesses because of the type of business it is. There's usually service providers that they repackage as their service to their customer. There's products they buy from wholesale vendor partners that they resell, which is one of the things in my primary business that I do. Uh, but ultimately, the relationship is me to you. It's you to your customer. And you have to have that commitment of consistency that what you communicate is going to happen will happen regardless of what happens. And if things fail, your your business is where the buck stops. You, it's not cool to pass that on. Uh, it's actually one of the things I think many businesses can improve upon because it is easy. It is easy to say, well, it was, the, you know, it was the service provider's fault. You know, their, their thing went down. So now our software connection doesn't work. And now the website package we're delivering to you is broken and it'll be fixed in two weeks. Sorry. No, there needs to be, it needs to be better. It needs to be a bigger commitment to that consistency that that two weeks is downtime for that customer. And there's who knows the business that's being lost. Who knows? You could lose a customer in that two weeks that would refer 10 more, 10 more other businesses. You just don't know. So I personally have built my personal brand on consistency and commitment because I know you build this brand, any brand, you build it one customer at a time. And that foundation is cemented on their happiness, how you made them feel, the exceptional experience you delivered. That's where you begin to build your brand. It's, it really is, it is that measurement. It's not, again, I said this before, but it's not your logo. It's not your brand. It's not your fonts. It's not your colors. Yes, that all matters. I'm like branded out on the screen right now. Uh, there's, I think five, five big ticket life logos on the screen at the moment. T-shirt cut off on one of them. So I get it. And again, I'll thank Chris at Castahead for coming up with the logo. It, it all, it's all part of it. There's no doubt about it. For this media, it was important because it's a visual media. But at the end of the day, your brand begins to be built, begins to be solidified, happy customers at a time. You can backfill all that in. You can commit to all of that uh, as time goes along. But to just come out of the gate and say, well, it needs to be this shade of blue or this shade of green. And hey, great. If you have the time, if you've thought it through enough, if you're going to go that deep into it, great. But we need to put money in the cash register and we need to put happiness and smiles on our customers' faces because that's ultimately what builds our brand. So bringing this down a little deeper, I think where a lot of folks get confused in building their brand is they get caught up in 
the definitions, the actions of marketing and advertising. They conflate the two, which is a mistake. Um, so I look at it this way. Marketing is and or your connective mes- messages and impact. That's marketing, right? It's a message that has profound impact and moves people, you know, off the couch, so to say. It makes action happen, creates impact. Advertising, it's media and amplification. So you can have a fantastic message that if it's put in the wrong media, advertising never gets heard, never gets seen, never creates impact. Vice versa, you can have a terrible message, terrible marketing message in the right media, but it just doesn't create any sales, doesn't create any impact because it's not a good message. So marketing is really, it's about creating that connective message. It's about finding um, the right coup. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit more here in a minute. But a lot of people confuse the two, marketing and advertising. Here's a way to look at it. And here's a way to kind of sniff, sniff out uh, who's in front of you, maybe offering you services to help grow your business, help build your brand. I disdain the heavy word, but I think it's appropriate because for the person selling you this service, they don't even know what their service is. So anybody that says, I'm a Facebook marketer, Facebook marketing agency, uh, Facebook is media. It's all it is. You're watching this now on Facebook. Facebook is media. That's all it is. And here's the test. There was never a point in time where the local yellow book phone book rep said, I'm a yellow book marketer. That never happened. Just like there was never a TV marketer for television commercials and selling ad space on television. Okay. It's media. It's advertising. It's amplification. So yes, is Facebook part of a successful marketing campaign? 100%. Because it amplifies the marketing message. It amplifies the impact. It amplifies your brand. But it is not marketing. So understand the difference between the two. And this is where everybody gets confused. Well, not everybody. That's not the right word. This is where some get confused because they feel, well, I put the message out on Facebook. Facebook's the hottest thing or TikTok's the hottest thing right now. Instagram is. Uh, why is that working? Well, it's not working because the message hasn't been thought through. The message doesn't create impact. All you're doing is pouring, you know, what message you have crafted into the void, into the fragmented void. I, j- I named off three digital media. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, there's Pinterest, there's Reddit. I mean, all of the social social connected medias that are online today is so fragmented. And then you still have all your traditional media. And then you have your internal media, like email lists and mail lists that you own. And then you have your referral media that you can put in hands of your customers that you have. So yeah, advertising is very fragmented today. It can be less fragmented when you have the right marketing message. So that is the next layer down in, in building your brand at a small business level. When we get really deep into it, 
we begin to understand, or maybe we were thinking we should ask the question, well, okay, how do I make this marketing message have impact? Uh, how does it become connective? Well, now we're talking about market message and then media. So we're going to start where I began and then we're going to end where I left off with marketing and advertising. So market, this is really who is your who? Who is the best customer that you can serve? Who can you deliver the most value to? And most importantly, who's going to appreciate it and pay for it? Okay. So as an example of this real life example that just transpired in the retail store, I call them Gardner's Mattress and More with my amazing business partner, Ben McClure. You know, I, I would love if retail went back to the days, uh, of old where, you know, it used to be for car dealerships, like when the new model year came in, they would, uh, black paper, I'm sorry, brown paper, the windows to, uh, close off the dealership and they would bring the new models in under cover of night and then unveil them. Christmas displays and retail windows on Main Street. Same thing, cover the windows, unveil them. Uh, really special, really connective, an amazing experience. You brought your family out, right? Really cool stuff. We just, we don't have that today. Now, the, the connective, if we want to call it that retail experience is you get an email or a text on your phone. Big deal. Save money. Buy stuff you don't need. Your market and who will appreciate you, that's really when you discover that, that's when you begin to set a foundation to do special things. So the example that connects back to holiday decor in stores, uh, I came across a, a friend that I made at a local business event I spoke at. And she has a country gift uh, craft type store, right? Decorative stuff. Uh, you can tell, I can't even explain what it is that would, should tell you I have no ability to decorate my own store, but I appreciate the experience it gives. So I proposed an idea. I said, you know, here's the problem that I'm having, Michelle. I want to decorate the store. I don't have time. I don't have an eye for it. I don't really know what's going to look good. But most importantly, I don't have the space to store this stuff. For Christmas, for spring, Easter, for summer holidays, you know, patriotic themes, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, uh, fall, and then Thanksgiving. I don't have room for five holidays to decorate about 300 square feet or so of countertop space. I just don't have that space. So it's not about the money. It's just about the space. So I want you to think of a fee that you could charge me to come decorate the store. I don't even need the hottest, newest seasonal decoration. I just need it to look nice. So if you have things from sets that were broken and you got one glass Christmas tree left over, great. Put that up. Decorate it with some lights and garlands and green stuff. You can tell I'm really good at this. You have your expertise. I'll pay you for that expertise. You own the merchandise. I'll promote you. You just simply set it up, take it back, and we wash it and repeat five times a year. And at the end of the year, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's a very good little service, not only for me, but I think for a lot of other businesses. So then we begin a dialogue of, well, what's your average customer worth? And what would a customer like me paying, let's say $500, $400 a service five times a year do for your business? If you had 20 of those, 30 of those, what would that do? Because the time to pack up a hundred dollar order. 
versus the time to pack up decorations for a store that you're going to do five times a year. Not a big time difference, but the, the elasticity, the stretch of value, dollars per hour there is big. So that's the mar- that's a sub-market in her business. And I highlight that intentionally because I'm so willing to pay for it because I really value it because I value most in that retail business, the customer experience, because it's, it's primarily what we have. 2022, I know a mattress can show up at your door, click, click, ship. I know it can. Whether it's the right fit or not, whether it's going to help you or not, whole other question, really a whole other show. Uh, that's on the second show we do each week. And we do another podcast in the retail business, but, um, but I know that that's out there and I know that's an option for my customer. So instead, everything that I do is about an incredible customer experience in that business. Cause the closer I put myself to pull a box off the shelf, like a Costco or click, click and ship box on the front door, like Amazon, the closer I feel to that, the more perilous position I'm in. And you should think about your business the same way. You should think about how your market feels about what you sell and importantly, how you make them feel. So I will always overspend, if that's even a word, for customer experience because how you make somebody feel, in my opinion, is really invaluable. The delight they have by working in your business, or I'm sorry, not working, visiting your business, interacting with your team, I don't know that you can put a dollar and cent value on that when you're doing it right. So I always overspend for it. The stuff we do to enhance the experience is second none in our industry. And I'm willing to stand on that. And you should be willing to do that too. So your market, who is your who? Who is that person that's going to respect the value you bring, understand the value you bring? As I gave you an example in that, you know, decorating the store story. And then who's going to pay for it? Understand that market, find that market, create that market as I did for Michelle. And she's like loving it off to the races with, um, you can create a market and then put your offer in front of it. Okay. So that's part one of the marketing, uh, question, right? Like what is it? It's market, it's message, it's media. So then message really boiled down to this one statement and this one statement only. Why, why you, why your business out of every other option available to me, including doing nothing. So unless the roof is caving in, why should I buy shingles from you? Eh, it leaks. I can put a bucket in the corner. I can go throw some goop up on the roof. It's not that high. It's not that big of a pitch. I'm going to choose to do nothing. See, I think that's the worst thing possible when we can't answer that question for that homeowner in that moment when we're not able to properly communicate the message as to why it's so important to fix that route now. And here's the 27 things that are going to happen that are bad. If you don't, when we can't communicate that, that's when our brand is really kind of defunct, when it's just not operating, when it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't convey anything, doesn't make anybody feel anything. Just a general malaise. So those messages need to be so utterly profound. Sammy Knight, tuning in. Appreciate your support, my friend. 
there's a guy who gets it. If you're not connected to Sammy Knight, you absolutely positively need to be one of the biggest, best givers in this world. Our world's better off for him in it. See, that's why it also pays to tune in the show. Because if you're listening on, on audio and not checking out the video, you didn't get to see Sammy's handsome face with his lovely wife, Pam, who he just loves to death and praises and adores. You want to not only a Sammy a good guy and a giver, but he's a great model of what a husband is and should look like. And I'm happy to say it. I'm happy to know Sammy. So there we go. So also cool why we live stream a show because we have interaction. But that message, why you out of anyone else, including doing nothing at all, so, so very important. You know, we created a brand, I trademarked it, less snore, more cuddle sleep systems in the, in the mattress retail business. And this, these are things that I've done with others. I think creating intellectual as an aside here, creating intellectual property within your business. So this isn't so much about brand as it is about leverage and scale and getting paid. Um, which ultimately is part of building your brand. Uh, but creating intellectual property, whether that's a patent, uh, whether that's a trademark, whether that's a patented process, having that intellectual property uh, is a game changer. It's a tremendous leverage point, tremendous ability to scale the business. So we created Less Snore, More Cuddle. Immediately speaks to people who sleep together with somebody. Immediately speaks to a visceral reaction of, stop it. You know, that elbow in the side that my wife gives me, it packs a lot of emotional punch in four words. Less snore, more cuddle. Simple to the point. And it creates this umbrella for us to speak about improved sleep. Improved sleep with a partner in bed. Improved sleep by reducing the ailments that affect your sleep. We could easily say, once we have a dialogue begun, Less neck pain, more cuddle. Less back pain, more cuddle. Less acid reflux, more cuddle. All of that can happen with these sleep systems because of their unique nature and, and features and the way it benefits you. You get more cuddle. You get more sleep. There's Chris at the buttons doing a great job again. So we made a whole website out of this. And this is really the brand. Less Snore, More Cuddle is the brand. It's the whole message is the brand here. This entire site, we don't present a price at all. We present an opportunity. An opportunity to fix what you've been struggling with the entire time you've been sleeping, which is your entire life. And right now, a lot of folks, you know, I, I referenced online mattresses. The, the genesis of online mattresses, we're coming up on a 10-year cycle uh, now. And there's a lot of folks that are dissatisfied, just indifferent. They're like, yeah, I did that. It was, eh. but I want my sleep to be wow. I want my sleep to be incredible because it needs to be because less no more cuddle speaks to people who are looking to improve their sleep. You sleep as a life enhancement activity because that's what it is. See, if when you get on this level with people, this kind of connectivity, this kind of impact that matters, right? So that's market and message. And then media, I touched on this before. There was never a day where there were Facebook marketers. There's advertising within the Facebook platform and ecosystem, okay? There's advertising on Amazon. There's advertising in your local uh, newspaper, your local radio stations, on podcast players. 
There's advertising on television. There's advertising when you pause your Netflix now. Uh, it just pops up. Well, I think that's actually Paramount I saw is doing that, which is kind of neat because it's a static display and you're really kind of forced to look at it. I think that's about the smartest uh, way to display advertising and digital streaming media that I've seen so far. But it's all just media. So understand that. Don't be enamored with the fact that it's new and it's shiny. Like everybody that I know, uh, again, I shouldn't say everybody, some, some that I know are jumping to TikTok. Um, from an ethical standpoint, I'm just not going to go there. And, I, and if I do, it will be with great consternation. It's like digital. I heard somebody describe it. They call TikTok digital fentanyl to teenagers. And I think what an appropriate way to sum it up at any rate. It's media. So if you're there, if you're getting a result and you're getting a lot of money from it, fantastic. It media. That's all it is. And understand, a business will never be built on media. It may be making you money today, but you don't control that algorithm. You don't control those servers. You don't control those terms of service and policy. And one day, just like that, it can be gone. And that's how advertising works. Because the company selling you advertising they hold all the cards. They take your money. And that's okay. I'm very much okay with that whole enterprise and that whole relationship. Because once you understand what media is, it's the amplification of a great marketing message. You can quickly identify where you should be spending your advertising dollars, in which media you should be using. So if I go back to my less nor more cuddle example, and you briefly saw the couples that we highlighted, which are our target market, 55 and up, is that where, in my retail business, do we really think a lot of those folks are spending an abundance of time on TikTok? Absolutely not. Where are they spending the time? YouTube. One of our best, one of our actual best uh, engagement media that we use. Uh, we do use Facebook as well. We use Instagram. But at YouTube, we get a tremendous amount of uh, impact and amplification with that audience. We also do niche print publications. We do some newspaper at key holidays. Because media, when you understand that media is actually your advertising and it's amplification of your message, the next thing to understand and really consider is what media does your ideal who use? So if they're on TikTok, fantastic. If you're selling Gen Z, you know, 18 to 24 year olds, uh, well, they're a little older and a touch younger. But if you're selling Gen Z, TikTok's probably worth that. So is Instagram. Not so much Facebook. Facebook's what mom and dad use. They have a Facebook account. So mom and dad can tag them in holiday photos and birthday pictures, but they don't really look at it. Okay. If you're in the Gen X, the older millennial group, they're Facebook, sure, 100%. So there's all, there's all kinds of ways to look at media and the way you understand that media is your advertising, it is your amplification of your message, but most importantly, never lose sight of which media your who is most predisposed to. You know, like the media conversation is so interesting to me because it's so fragmented but yet can be so targeted. There's actually a magazine called Cowboys and Indians 
And it's for adult, well, adults, I say adults, because this is typically who would buy this kind of stuff. But it's like, it's like for that guy that wants to be John Dutton on Yellowstone to that nth degree, like the decor in his, his house with his life is like that. Um, it's that feel, it's that flavor. So while media is fragmented, you think, yeah, I'm going to do a print ad, uh, to sell reverse mortgages and I'm going to target, you know, older age audiences. Cowboys and Indians might be a tremendous magazine to publish in. Just might, you never know. But that's what's so cool when you understand media is just amplification of your message. And that's what advertising is. When you understand that, now you can really dig into, well, where does my who hang out? Where do they congregate? What do they do? Here's another one of my, uh, if you're hearing that humming, another uh, Kit Jeff. <laughs> Kid Jeff around thing, the, the leaf truck that sucks up all the leaves from your yards parked right outside the window here in the studio today. Fantastic. I'm sorry. Uh, but this is, while media is so fragmented, when you've done the work, figuring out who your ideal who is, and you can really begin to dig in. And by dig in, like ask them, ask your customers, Hey, what magazines you read? What social media channels do you tune in, tune into? Perfectly okay to do that. Dig into it. When you discover where they're hanging out, you can laser focus those marketing messages to them in that media. Tremendous way to build a brand as opposed to the Coca-Cola way, spend five million bucks on a Super Bowl commercial for 30 seconds. You know, does it, does it, does it lift Coca-Cola? Do they see new sales? I don't know. Probably. But Coca-Cola is always going to see sales. They have to grow. They're, they're a public company. They have to grow. They've got to spend five million bucks. Where or five million dollars might not even be the number anymore. It's, I think it's higher, but you get the point. You can spend money far more effectively, be far more laser focused, far more targeted, and really connect that message for impact through the right media. Your who uses. So those are some of the core elements of building your brand. As I look to kind of wrap up, I want to leave you with some more pointed things to, to kind of maybe take away. Because I gave you a bigger, deeper dive on some of this stuff. But I touched on this before. Be careful who you hit your wagon to, right? If you're, if you're a tech company combining some services to present your package and your solution, you better be very careful who you hit your wagon to because your customers can't afford their site to be down for two weeks. Um, curate the best of the best that you can, you know, again. I use my retail store as an example because it's the thing I have the most direct influence on. People I work with, I make recommendations all the time. You know, sometimes they take them and sometimes they don't. It's their business. I can affect certain things I can't in other conversations. But in the businesses I own, I often highlight them because I have the most control. I know the success, I know the failures. So one big success is we carry. Long ago, we unhitched our wagon from the name brand mattress companies because they no longer were able to be a five-star partner with us. You can't be a five-star company with your wagon hitched to a three-star partner. And we just decided enough of this. We cannot do it anymore. So we curate the best of the best. And it is hard work for a business of our size, that size business. We have no business having, I think it's now 11 manufacturing partners. We have no business doing that. In fact, 
we have left a million dollars plus on the table by making that decision because we would get advertising co-op rebates, incentives, et cetera, over the last five years. It's over a million, 1.25 billion as I, as I calculated. But the reality is it's kind of fake math because we could never be the company we are hitched to that three-star wagon. Five-star company does the volume we do. And we continue to raise that bar. But a company hitched to a three-star partner after noticing a decline and then addressing the decline and then still sticking with it for five more years, there's no way we'd be a five-star company today because our, our partners wouldn't allow it to happen. And it's not like they sent out to um, screw us over, but it's just, it's just not what we believe in as quality product to sell anymore. So we curate the best of the best. We connect with family companies, people that if my team has a customer in front of them and that customer has a question that we don't quite have the answer to, we can text or phone call an owner or a, a C-level executive of that company and get that answer or somebody on their team and get that answer right away. That's connection. That's a customer experience. You don't get that walking the aisles of a club store. You don't get that shopping online. You got to scroll down 27 pages to find an 800 number. And then who knows what happens on the other side of that. So we curate the best of the best. And you should really push yourself to do the same. And be proud of it and, and, and express to people, look, we work harder. Avis had a fantastic, the car rental company, fantastic message. We're number two. We work harder. Fantastic message. Where do you think I got? We curate and we work harder. You know, we do. We curate. We work harder than we should, harder than we maybe ought to, but it pays off for our customers because their experience as the CEO in our org chart, it's not chief executive officer. I'm chief experience officer because everything for me is about experience. If we can constantly raise the bar of experience, we'll be just fine. And that would be a great way to think about your brand as well. So curate, curate the best of the best to make you that five-star company and your brand will develop into that. But remember, your customers pay you, right? They don't pay your partners. They don't pay the service providers. You, unfortunately own the mistakes of your partners, your service providers, people you connect with. That's just the way it is. Your customers gave you their money. You know, kind of kind of like how I have a tremendous respect for other people's time, my commitments to people that I commit to, I'm going to honor them. When I take your money, you're going to get what you bought. And in almost every case, you're going to be elated and delighted with what all the extra value, the extra that you get as a result of doing business with me. That's the way I look at it. And when we mess up, I say we because it's we, even though it wasn't our mistake, it is we. Uh, I take the ownership. We fix it immediately because that's how you build your brand today, right? You don't just let it languish. You own that mistake. And then those partners keep making mistakes. You find a new partner. Something else that I wrote in forums, in case you've missed it, um, you can go to thejeffg.com, which keeps you up to date with everything that Jeff is doing. I like when I talk in the third person. Not really. But thejeffg.com, I've got my Forbes Business Council profile on there. Uh, I made a commitment to get published at least once a month. And uh, this month has been three times. Uh, an article, two panels um, on that profile. One of those recent articles, what, or November's article, was um, all about 
giving your customers a story to behold and then be told, right? So that experience is what they behold. It's what they take in that's really dear to them. It's that impact. It's that wow factor, right? This is what builds your brain. This is what makes people rave and talk about what you do. So the story to behold is how they feel. It's the impact that you had with them. The story to be told is about them sharing their emotions, positive emotions, the way you made them feel, the relief, the elation. Oh my gosh, you know, we just bought a room, but I didn't know there was all these other things. And they saved us from all this trouble down the road with gutters and downspouts and foundation issues, which can be directly tied to people on your roof if they take the time to identify the problems properly communicate on how they could be fixed. And if not, what could happen? See, when you commit to experience and you commit to giving your customer an amazing story that they love, that you're a part of with them, that story to behold, makes it very easy for them to give their friends, their family, their coworkers, your story to be told. That's the thing about referrals, which is really what this is about. Your brand can also be built on referrals. Your brand, I said earlier, is built one customer at a time, which also comes one referral at a time. Referrals can be tricky at times because they don't quite know what all to say. So when you think about have them tell the emotions, the positive, happy outcome of doing work with you, when we go down that road, it becomes very easy to tell the story about your company. It's not about price. It's not about product about emotion and experience. So that's what I wanted to share with you today about how small business should build its brand. This is one of those topics I really love to talk about. I'm sure that came through, whether you just heard it, whether you saw it and heard it through the video, uh, live or recorded. But I'm so happy you were able to join me today. I'm happy I was able to talk with you today. I was happy I was able to get the show off even though it was a little different and a little challenging, but that's what we do as business owners. We always look to rise above. We always look to push through. We always look to be consistent. We always look to deliver. And those things, along with everything else I talked with you about building your brand, should really kind of help demystify this and just continue to build it one customer, one happy customer at a time. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Big Ticket Life. Appreciate you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.bigticketlife.live. That's gift.bigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. 
two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.